All right, sure. This is episode 74? Five. Five. Jeez, man. Yep, Jeez. we've been doing this for a bit. Yeah, Hot minute. Yeah. All right. You got to be on our Hot 100 episode. She has to be on the oh, 100th episode. She, yeah. She's, what is this, your third episode right now? Yo, what's going on, everybody? You're checking it out. It's Spence from the Highly Advised Podcast. This is episode 75. I'm here with one of my good friends, the Tribal Chief, Big Cozy, Too Cozy. He's not here right now, but he will be back in return. So what we have today is one of the best regulars we have. We're bringing the crackhead energy like we always have anytime she steps in the building, anytime she's on the Zoom link, anytime she's on the Highly Advised Podcast. One of the highly advised affiliates, Kathleen. What's going on? How's it going today? Episode 75. How does it feel? Yo, 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 yo. What's up? At first, I was tired. I had like that girl kind of weekend where I was just like recuperating, having like a healthy routine kind of vibe, you know, get up at a set time, exercise, make, you know, meal prep. That was my type of vibe. And then I got on here and then it's all like, let's bring it, let's work, let's do it. And yeah. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> it's like, just ready to go. Just put me in the game, coach. Right. That's, ready for the week. Right. Yeah. That's crazy because that's like spot on what just happened this today, especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, that's what's up. How you feeling yourself, Nigel? Um, I'm not doing so bad. You know what I mean? Like I'm, uh, pretty good, you know, just chilling out amigos and compadre down one compadre, you know, but it's all good. He'll be back at one point in time, but we have another compadre that we don't have on the show too often. So I'm pretty happy. It's been a good weekend. You know what I mean? I can't complain too much. How about you, Spence? How are you? How are you feeling? Uh, I can't complain, man. I'm doing pretty good. Um, as you know, um, I'm traveling, I'm a traveling man. I'm back on the road again. Just tell them where you were. Dang. Come on, just tell them where you were, man. Come on. I like the the, um, anticipation, though. Yeah, I'm a traveling man, you know. I got to catch flights. I'm a a world wanderer. World traveler. Exactly. So I found found myself coming back home just to come visit some of the guys from the Highly Advised podcast. So I decided to come back. Well, I decided to come back home to see some of my compadres, some of the family, some of the clan. Some of the, some of the tribal leaders. Oh shoot! <laughs> the tribal chief, I I e big cozy too cozy. Shout outs to him. Shout, shout outs. outs to, shout outs to Gil. Shout outs to Nigel. Shout outs to Andy. Shout outs to Kathleen. Hey. Had a good chance. I, I've been back. I've been back home. I'm enjoying myself. Breath. It's a breath of fresh air, absorbing the sun. So I can't complain. To say all that, I say that I can't complain. I'm just glad to be back. I'm glad that the listeners are here. And also, actually, one thing I do need the listeners to do, and I probably say this every week, so okay. you shouldn't you should know it by now. I'm ready. To make me to make me feel better, to make us feel better, mm-hmm. the podcast feel better, they need to go check us out on social medias. So I would tell them first, if you want to see the video, because I'm sure you like the voice that you're hearing and hearing all of us talk about stuff every week, check out YouTube at the Highly Advised Podcast. Or if you want to hear our tweets about what we got to talk about, whether it's events, summer madness, UFC, whatever, whatever's happening in the world in Ask real time. Ask us something. Huh? Ask us something. That's exactly. What exactly. Talk to yeah. us. Yeah. Engage. Exactly. Ask mm-hmm. us. Hit us up. Like, comment, subscribe. If you got an opinion that we haven't talked about, tweet us <clears throat> at the Advise Holly, at Advise Holly. 
on Twitter. Or if you want to, if you even if you don't feel like tweeting, you got an Instagram and you'd rather just say, yo, let me slide in your DM, slide to the Instagram page, which is, which is the Highly Advised Podcast, where you can hop in the DM, comment on the pictures, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see. Because trust me, we're here for y'all. Because, you know, like we said before, this is the cross-section of MMA and hip-hop. So I, I got a question real quick. Well, actually... One more thing listeners should do before they do anything else. They should also follow Kathleen. Where yes. can they follow you at? Miss underscore is so clean. I also have a YouTube channel. I am going to Vegas once again mm, mm. in another week. So I'm going to be, tra- I mean, posting a travel vlog. It's going to be all Vegas content. Oh my gosh. I'm Love so excited. Vegas. Yeah, yes. That's, be fun. That's what's up. I'm glad to hear that. You know what I mean? So now that we've got you back on the show, um, we essentially have the first highly advised, uh, you know, affiliate, I guess, moment at, at the moment. You had something that you wanted to bring to our attention. I'm curious. I don't know many details about the story, so I know you're going to enlighten us as to what's going on. OK, so it's the Gabby Petito murder. I a little bit lost interest, not going to lie, because I was so consumed, obsessed. Talk to me freaking um, five days ago. I was like all over it. Now I'm just like, okay, another day, another dollar. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, so, it's crazy. So mm-hmm. what, what, I, cause I'm not familiar with it. Um, it's all you, over the news. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't seen it, but I've, I've, it's been like a really big, I, I, like I said, I've been traveling the world. So like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had, a, I haven't had a chance. I've been looking at itineraries, not the news this week. So I feel you. what, um, what ended up, what ended up happening just to inform me or the listeners that aren't familiar with it. Okay, so it's all over CNN. I'm all things pop culture, like all things juicy controversy stories, controversial. So a beginning to hold on, let me like remember, there we go. A couple, they decided to move cross country and they decided to do like the van life kind of situation. Okay, so they were like a traveling couple, just nomadic. Got you. Okay. Tiny house type shit. Yes. Got you. They've been on the road for four to five months already, and they started a YouTube vlog, more like the girl started the YouTube vlog. Okay. Okay. And she was super duper passionate about it. And I feel like she was really pushing, like, to start the blog, but the guy was just like, whatever. it's going to happen. And he also didn't believe in it. They had an encounter encounter with the police because somebody called the police because they were stuck in the middle, like on the side of the road in Utah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they had like a fight. And oh, like the couple, the couple, she had like an OCD moment in the morning because she wanted to like organize all her stuff and everything. And then like, you know, fix the bed because they live in such like a small confined like space. Right. And then, um, He was just like, kind of like not, he didn't really care about it as much. And then I guess like the blog thing came up and I guess like that was like the tension between them because she wanted to live more fast paced. And I guess he wanted to like not live as fast. Right. Just kind of take it. She was just trying, like she, in his mind, she was knowing too much. And yeah, he, yeah. Cause he would always tell her like to chill. So then um, it gave her anxiety. So I really do feel like she was like irking him a little bit. And then she took the wheel supposedly and like 
moved the wheel while they were driving and then they ended up on the side of the road and that's when the cops came. So then once the cops like kind of determined that after like talking to them and everything, they were going to press charge. They were going to press charges on Gabby Petito for domestic violence. Hmm. Yeah. So that means that they had, you know, some tension. There already. was some history. Right. There's some history and it's already like all over the internet and everything. So a few weeks later, Gabby goes missing and the boyfriend, because they were living in Florida with his parents, goes back to Florida without Gabby. Oh, that's a, we got an answer for that, man. So they went out to Utah with Gabby. No, back they were cross country. Without Gabby. Yeah. With, Gab- with Gabby originally. Okay, so they so my understanding is they were from New York, decided to quit their jobs. Four mm-hmm. months they've traveled across the country. They end up like in Utah or somewhere in the Midwest. Yes. End up having a dispute because in his mind, Shorty's doing too much with the blog, with the vlog, with the blogging. Mm-hmm. Cops get called. He decides to go back home because they you said they're living with uh his grandmother, his mother in Florida. But this yes. time he when they go back, Gabby's not there. Right. So, oh, wow. like, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't just leave with your wife and not show up without your wife when you come back. You know what I it's mean? His, with no question. Fiance, yeah. Fiance. Did, oh, yeah, did, no, that's a wrap. So, when they, did they ask him um, where was she? And if so, what, so what did he say? So, he's not cooperating with the police whatsoever. Oh, oh God. Oh, wow. So, he did that. Yeah, he did that. And that's what that means. Like, he sounds yeah. guilty as hell. And if he's not guilty, I'm curious to find out what's going on. That, if, and I feel like his co- his parents are covering for him as well, because they're not cooperating with the police either. He's still alive. But um, just recently, her body was, um, her autopsy was declared a homicide. Yeah, no, oh, so, they did, so they found the body and. And mm-hmm. oh wow! So well, I don't, I don't really need to go into details of go what type of yeah, but no. Nah, autopsy, the results haven't come out yet. Oh, okay. They just know it is ruled it's a homicide. homicide. It's, yeah, ruled homicide. Oh wow! Yeah, so this is definitely going to be something interesting to watch unfold. Like, I don't know. That sounds crazy. That sounds yeah. crazy. It's some. That sounds crazy. That reminds me of that one couple. Um, where I think the guy ended up dying or something like that. They were trying to, because they weren't getting enough views or something. So they were trying to do something extreme and end up, I think the guy ended up dying, trying to get like more views for a YouTube video. Completely different because it was on his own accord. But this sounds, this is a crazy situation from mm-hmm. what it sounds like. I mean, the, the situation seems pretty black and white. You know what I mean? Like I, It'd be one thing if this is your fiance. One, why? Why wouldn't you want to cooperate with the police to at least find her if you didn't know what happened? You know what I mean. So it's like I, I don't really have too much to say about it. I'm kind of curious to see what happens, just because you know it's a interesting story. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like at the same point in time, like I always feel like couples like this, when when things happen like this, it's just best to go your separate ways. He should have just took his ass back home. With, I mean, without her, but with her alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my bad, go I feel like they probably did break up. And I, I felt like maybe, because she is young. She was like 22. Oh, I wow. Feel, yeah. And he's 23. I don't know. This is just only speculation that, like, some people can't 
some people have to be in a relationship. So maybe mm. she didn't take the news like all that great, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know. Or it could be the other way around. He didn't yeah. take it all that great. Maybe she was like, yo, you're not supporting me. I'm trying to do this blog thing. You're a Debbie Downer. Once we get back home, I'm not doing this with you. And you yeah, it, mm, it stuff like it that does be. happen. It, it does be. happen. Either do way, you, either way, it's sad nonetheless, though. 100%. Do you think there's any way that he didn't do it? Well, it's also speculation because there's um a couple in Utah that was also found dead, and then they did stop by the store, and supposedly the the rumor is that they had an altercation and maybe they killed that couple. I was thinking that. I was like, what type what? of wild shit would they be? Like they're like vlogging murderers like jesus this this situation sounds crazy i'm actually i'm interested now i'm not gonna lie but it's it's a sad situation like you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's these murder mysteries yeah man listen you want to talk about a good lifetime drama this is definitely this definitely is one of those in the works Mm because if they killed that other couple if they killed that up if they did kill that other couple more than likely she might have just been like yeah i'm telling on you when we get back home 100 percent, yeah yeah, it, it could be the case. It, it sounds like this is going to be crazy. It sounds like this is definitely something I, I, we got to keep our eyes on uh, as it as it unfolds. So I'm I'm curious, you know, like with uh with this couple, do you think that he'll be able to actually go back? Let's say if he is found innocent, do you think he'll be able to get a job anywhere? They'll be able to see that on his background test. No, because it's all over CNN. Everybody knows about this. Everybody, oh, okay. and he's also question. I'm I'm yeah. tripping y'all. That and also he is um about to be arrested. He they're trying they put an arrest warrant on him because when he went across country to back to Florida, he committed fraud and he's not using his own um credit cards either. So they're gonna get him on that, and I think slowly but surely they're gonna trap him with um the murder because they haven't charged him with the murder yet. They're gonna they're gonna pin this murder on him. Like less unless he I feel like he's also stuck in the reserves in Florida. Like it's like the wilderness out there. Right. And mm. that was where he was last found. And police has been like they've been searching everywhere. So he's they on the run. He's on the run. Oh, Jesus. Oh gosh. This is this story is about to this is gonna just get even crazier then. Well, I know that, you know, seeing as they'll be able to find anything on his background, the one thing they won't be finding on a lot of backgrounds are drug tests. Uh, Apparently, a lot of employers today in this day and age where people they're looking for more employment from workers, they haven't been able they've been able to turn somewhat of a blind eye towards drug testing employees. What are your thoughts on that, you guys? Um, Personally, I think I think this is good. And I say that because there are because uh, there are plenty of people in this world that, for whatever reason, they they're able to complete their job. They're able to complete their job at the highest standard, and that's something they do recreationally. Now, I, I hey, listen, the same way you're allowed to drink, like you can't drink before you go take a drug test either, because it shows up, and you can also fail a drug test possibly, depending on the employer. Right. So, like, I think it kind of just goes to the same sort of like, hey. Whatever you do in your personal life is fine, as long as it. Of course, companies always have their rules. If you're if you're doing whatever drug and then you get caught up out there, you're probably gonna lose your job. So it's hey, whatever your business is, cool. But right now, the world is in a shortage. I think they said it's like out of all the out of 
from what I read, I think it was like an article on Instagram. Um, but from my understanding is that out of 400 some odd thousand employers across the across the world, around 9% so far, which is around like 400,000, 44,000, around 4,000 employers so far have um, chosen to actually turn a blind eye to this. I, I, to me, I think this is good just because you have, you just have people that wanted to do something, whether it's because of medical reasons or whatever. Now they, now this won't stop them. So in my opinion, right, I feel like that this is a good thing um, because I just think the way the world's moving, like, I would be surprised that a lot of employees are still testing people in general because it just seems to be like counterproductive. It seems like they would just lose money. There's a lot of places that are legalizing more drugs. And I think, you know, different different type of drugs. Now, I'm not assuming they want people to come in like off, you know, hard drugs, crackhead energy type shit into their, you know, workplaces. You know what I mean? But what I think they are, you know, willing to turn a blind eye to is some of the more like recently legal type shit. So, I mean, like me personally, I think it's a good thing. And I think more employers are falling behind this. I don't think this is the end at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's the end also because it's like a a shortage right now. Like the Mm -hmm. employers across the world are having a hard time finding people that want to work. Right. Or trying to just get jobs because it's just because of like the, the state of the economy globally due to, uh, due to the impact of like the pandemic. So I think this is, I agree. I think this is like really great. I think it's really great in terms of like opening that door for those that let's say you have a medical condition, right? Let's say there's someone that's extremely bright and I'll say, I'll use MS for instance. Cause I, I remember my Montel Jordan had it. Right. Right. Or Montel, not Montel Jordan, Montel, the, Williams. Montel Williams. And I remember even watching an interview where he's just like, Gail, I'm going to do this until the day I die because it's a medicine for me. Right. Now imagine a kid that's, just as bright, might be a senior in college or just finish his training. He's doing whatever he's trying to do in, to get into this next space or next chapter of his life. But he has a medical condition where he needs to use, and I'm using cannabis. I'm not using any hard drug. I'm just using cannabis as an example. He uses cannabis as like, that's what doctors prefer him to use as his medical treatment. He can't, that means they're not eligible to get a possibly to, in certain jobs, they may not be eligible to get hired just because they would fail that drug test. Now this, that alleviates people like that, I, I think, which is hugely beneficial. Do you have any thoughts on this, Kathleen? I just feel like if you are taking drugs and you have to hide it, the more you want to take more drugs and the more you become addicted and mm. the more it becomes a problem. So you think it's just like mental strain? 100%, yeah. That's another you know aspect of it. That that's true though. That mm-hmm. is that's a good point because it's a lot of times because you have to you're hiding something that you're doing. You want to do it more or oh, as soon as I do this, I could go go do this or whatever. It's like it's like I don't want to use I don't want to use cheating or something as an example, but it's definitely mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like oh, like you'll have someone that drinks quietly. They'll probably drink more because they're like yeah, I can't wait. They're chasing to get that drink mm-hmm. versus oh, I can just go to a bar, have a drink, go home and call it a night. So I think it it really all depends. I think that uh, a lot of people see it. They're going to see it as being like some radical shit where it's like, oh, now they're going to start doing whatever in the workplace. But I don't think it has to be that way. I think, uh, you know, that's that's close minded. If they do think that way, nobody struck a chord. (laughs) Go ahead. 
Well, no, I was just going to say, yeah, that's, that's closed mind. I don't think, I, I don't, I don't see it being one of those things where like, like I, I feel as though like if you're sneaking and geeking, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a problem, but I don't, I don't think any, I see it as, I see it as this. No one, anybody with common sense knows, Hey, I'm not going to do drugs at my job. Now, if they do random drug testing at the job, based off like uh, a window of like a couple days or whatever, then you got something to answer for. But so with the new regime of, you know, laws and things coming in every day, you know, with, you know, drug tests and things like that. One thing that's also on the rise today is cryptocurrency. And people think there's a, there's a lot of speculation that cryptocurrency will essentially be the new currency for the future. Now I've been paying attention to cryptocurrency. There's things like Ethereum, Cardano, you know, other cryptocurrencies that are relatively known that people are saying will be the new infrastructure for the background of society. But it's kind of interesting to see as the whole crypto debate is going on. So I was curious to hear what y'all thought about it. Um, I, To me, I think I think it's interesting. I did see AMC uh, put out a tweet earlier this week, uh, well, earlier last week about um, about actually allowing Dogecoin. Dogecoin, Dogecoin as Dogecoin as a as a way of currency just to go buy film, go to their movie theaters. So I mean, I think it has its, I think it has its place. I just think it's the it's the biggest concern is about regulation and how to actually regulate this coin. That's I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to cryptocurrency, where it's it will retire the dollar at some point, which I wouldn't be surprised because it, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but anytime you go shopping today, you have to, more often not stores are saying we either you t- either you have to have exact change or you need to pay with a card I so know yeah like a, a, there's a lot of big big box um stores i'll say of uh, just across the board retail in different areas of retail and even like grocery stores where people are saying yo either you have to have exact change because there's a coin shortage mm, i did so, hear about that what's mm-hmm. what's going on with that um, it's been something that's been happening for a while, I think, since kind of somewhat near the beginning of the pandemic, where I'm not, I, I guess, because there's so many people now that are home, because a lot of times everybody's always working. So only a handful of people are really using cash. But now, now that we're living in a time where there's a pandemic, cash is pretty much king to some people. People are using too much cash or there's a, there's just not an influx of coins, long story short. Right. So they're not able to get as many coins out. So which kind of goes to that whole pro- that thought process they've had for for practically a couple for probably a decade of retiring the penny. So I can see how this could and the, I can see how this could be a transition. I, I my biggest concern is just how to regulate it because my understanding of cryptocurrency is every time you make an exchange, you have to pay tax for it. And that that's my only issue because then it's not it's not the equivalent to a dollar. You know what I mean? I'm not sure the ins and outs of the situation when it comes to being taxed on the actual exchanges with cryptocurrency. But I I do know that um, it's interesting to see what's going on. I know that they do have um, different cryptocurrencies that are supposed to be US dollar stand-ins and different things for different fiat currencies. So it's kind of interesting to see as to how it's all playing out. Um, I think that if that does happen, that'll be like way down the line. I do know certain cryptocurrencies have a little bit more stability than the dollar just because of it being so inflationary. But like at the same point in time, 
um, to say that we're going to move from the U.S. dollar to essentially another form of currency in the form of the U.S. dollar, because all you would figure that a lot of other uh, societies and whatnot and currencies from different places would have to switch as well. What you already saw El Salvador, they're um, accepting Bitcoin for different transactions and whatnot. So, I mean, like it's it's definitely some type of shift, but I'm not sure where it's going. If people monitor how currency has been used digitally for a while in other countries, I think it won't be. It is just a regulation part because I believe in Nigeria. Uh, and I saw this documentary a couple years ago, but long story short, like with over there, they don't they use Nokia phones. So pretty much they, every, their currency is through text messages. So like I text you to get for currency or even like I, I was looking at um at some wholesale spots out in China and a lot of the, I forget, I'm not sure if it's called WePay or something like that, but there's like, it's a digital currency that you're using, but you're using it in place of cash, right? So it's really the regulation, like, <clears throat> like you said, it's, I think in terms of replacing the, the US dollar, it's is going to be, I think that it is going to take a time because it, it's going to take a while for countries to adjust to that. Exactly. But it, I think looking at other countries, it is very well possible that if if you put, I think if anything, I wouldn't be surprised. Let me ask you this. How far do you think it is? How far fetched do you think it would be if they just come up with a standard current, a global standard currency? Kathleen, one world you? order. Sorry. No, go ahead, Kathleen. You're good. It seems like a one world order if they do, um, mm. if it's going to be worldwide. And also I, I have invested in cryptocurrency, but I just also feel like there's a divide when it comes to cryptocurrency. There's the people who are really familiar with it and then the people who aren't. I mean, that's with all things. Right. And um, I just feel like the people who are familiar with it have a tendency to like shove the idea of cryptocurrency down people's throats. Okay. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I see that sometimes. You're not lying. Yeah, and I'm nah. just like, either I'm going to do it or I'm not. Like, And then they're just like, oh, well, you could become a millionaire if you use... Um, I forgot. I Let me check this app. It's on my phone. It's... um Coinbase? It's Coinbase. Yeah. You know, I deleted it. That's how irrelevant it is. No offense. <laughs> wow. You're just not I, interested in it like that. It's not your I'm thing. I'm not. I mean, I gave it a chance. I saw the potential. There's a lot of work that has to be put into it. And I'm all about work, but right. it's just, I just feel like people, it is convenient, but the way we don't know what direction it's going in because like the average person just uses their Apple Pay to pay for everything and their card. And then people have a, you know, it's um, whatchamacallit, an opinion about using Apple Pay. Like, oh, it's um, you're bound to get uh, scammed if you use Apple Pay. Freaking cryptocurrency to me is just like, that's a way I can get scammed too, shoot. Well, the way I see it is there's two things that, you know, you got to follow in order to know where things are going with cryptocurrency. And that's mm-hmm. um, big business and the government. And mm-hmm. the, depending on how they feel about cryptocurrency is where everybody else is going to go, because what they say is what we're going to have to do. So mm-hmm. if, if the government decides to take on like Tether and they say like, hey, that's the U.S. dollar equivalent that's the US dollar equivalent. And we're not going to say no. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, at the end of the day, there's a lot of big big businesses in the back end making deals with these cryptocurrency places. There was a report uh, two weeks ago, it was a false report, 
But um, it said that Walmart had accepted Litecoin as a form of currency. And I've seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The price for Litecoin shot up for like two hours. And then once they said, hey, this was a lie, it shot right back down. But all it's going to take is essentially for somebody to say, hey, this is a go. And we'll yeah. see where things are going to go. Yeah. But see, I think that's the, uh, to me, that's the issue, right? Because things like that, like uh, what having a finance background, I also understand like there's a thing called pumping and dumping, right? right? And typically that for listeners who aren't familiar with the pumping and dumping is typically people take penny stocks, which are typically less than $5 and they buy a big share of it, right? And then what they go out and do is encourage, uh, incentivize other people. You can make money if you buy into the stock. The stock price shoots up, they sell their stock. And when they sell it, because it's a bulk share, the price drops. Everybody who bought in, helped build the price up. The person who owned the most sold it. And when he sold his part, his or her part, the price drops and everybody else loses money. And this situation is very similar when I think of um, like false information like that, right? Where imagine, or even like we look at just different people where they've made tweets or have some type of incentive or encouraging others to buy into a coin because they say it may be good. So I, I mean, it's it's very interesting. I do think, uh, similar to what Kathleen has said, like where you just never know how it can work, especially like when it comes to scamming, because right. you know, like where I, where I say at like um, the gas station, it has an ATM. Like there's Bitcoin ATMs, right? Or you can pay for your gas with Bitcoin. So it's already it's finding its way in circulation. It's just like you said, like whatever they choose to make the dollar standard is going to be the dollar standard and we won't have any question in it. It's just a matter of like, what big, what, what is, who is going to be the big business that out of that big three, I would say that will be our big five um, that will actually say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And because as soon as they say that, that's when it's, that's when everybody else will probably fall in line. Cause uh, at the end of the day, the, the dollar rules all to some extent, or influences many, I'll say. Influences a lot. Kathleen, did you have anything else to say? That too. Um, I just feel like the direction we're at now, it's crazy because I feel like where I live isn't really, it's like a step back in time. I feel like I'm in the 1980s and I'm really surprised that there's just a lot of places that do accept Bitcoin as currency even though, okay, y'all accept this as currency, but y'all don't want to update your TV in your store, like, um, <laughs> let me know. Is this... <sighs> hey, listen, man. It, I wouldn't be surprised if, there ends, it, if we end up going through that cycle of like the 80s, to be honest with you, just because during that time, um, you have like, it was just a crazy time, right? So like in the 80s, you always look at, all right, have you ever heard any of those stories of like New York back in the 80s? Tell me. Um, like <laughs> <laughs> so from like stories I've heard of like the 80s and 70s of people that lived during that time, it was just like the Wild West. Like I love people the Wild West. Yeah, like people were doing check scams or people were doing crimes or people were just living a way freer life, right? So I do think with the pandemic and how it's shaped where we're going. Mm-hmm. I definitely can see how like it's it looks very similar to like the 80s to some extent. So like, I, I can definitely if you do I, have to compare, yeah, I can see that. 
Yeah, like, I mean, the way, like, regulations are going, you never know. I mean, but even, like, when we talk about the 80s, right? Um, I'm not sure if you saw this on Twitter, but there, there was this whole conversation about Drake. And is he the, this generation's Michael Jackson? No, oh, this is and, something we visited before. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Y'all I know. love him. Yo, Y'all listen, love Drake. The Drake cast, <laughs> man. <laughs> there, there's, you know, certain people on the podcast who love Drake. I think Drake is cool, but yeah, there's people who love Drake. And some dream people about like him. him. And some people hate him. Jeez, I'm I'm glad you're saying this and he can't defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> shouts out to Big Cozy. Yeah, shout hey. out to Big Cozy, too cozy, man. Um, but now, nah, yeah, um, yeah, there, there's this whole conversation about Drake being this year, this generation's Michael Jackson. But if you go back to the 70s or 80s and you look at the who Michael Jackson was at his peak, can't compare. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So it's funny because um, when we talked about this before, I'm pretty sure you were on the opposite side of this, specifically you, Spencer. Yeah, well, to me, I, yes, I was. But the from what I was coming from is in terms of popularity, right? Yeah. He is one of those iconic figures at this point, similar to, similar to Michael Jackson, similar to Prince, similar to all of them. But in terms of the fandom that Michael Jackson had, Michael Jackson had people had hundreds of thousands of people standing outside of his hotel just to see him hold his baby and shake and wave his hand. So with you saying all that and Kathleen, you, you can chime in if you want to. Mm-hmm. So last time we talked about this, I had asked you, I said, do you think that people have more access to Drake right now than they did Michael Jackson without the internet in the eighties? And you said, or I'm sorry, did they have more access to Michael Jackson than they do with uh, Drake right now, with the internet? And you said, yes. Do you still stand no. on that? Oh, hold on. I said- no, You said I'm, that they had more access to Michael Jackson because they could just call somebody up to come down to the ranch without the internet at any given time than they do Drake right now. No, no. When I, if I said that- That's I think what you said. There, there might have been a misunderstanding. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm yeah. just, hey, look, Man, we're revisiting yo, the topic. He, I just he, have to know. He made sure he did some homework before he got <laughs> <laughs> Going in for the kill. I'm not ready. Uh, look, yeah. no, I'll just, I, the topic's no. back up. We spoke about it. Check out the other video. We, well, we did a, mm-hmm. you know, we did something. My best, yeah, well, best God. Well, to me, well, maybe there's a misunderstanding because to me, the Drake is more accessible via social media. Social media and everything to that nature. In terms of Michael Jackson, it's hard for the public to be, he's not as assess, easily accessible to the public as much. Okay. If Michael Jackson doesn't say anything, then no. But it's easier for us to, at the time, The it was easier. I think this is where we might've got confused at because in terms of the reception for Michael Jackson, it's nothing for Michael Jackson to call a reporter the same way it's nothing for Drake to call um, a reporter, Charlemagne and say like, hey, I want to do this interview. But the difference is, Drake is on Instagram. I know Drake is hanging out with Conor McGregor. I know Drake is eating tilapia with DJ Khaled. Like, I know Chef Melissa, because I watched the, I watched it. So I know Drake does boxing. I know we see all this stuff through his story. Michael Jackson, we have no idea. We, people went crazy when he took the blanket off of his son just so we could see his face. I don't I agree that. with you. I don't agree. I don't disagree with anything you just said. I, I agree completely with what you just said, which was my point <laughs> originally. But what were you about to say, Kathleen? Well, I I agree. I, I just feel a certain difference when it comes to the accessibility of Drake and Michael Jackson. So Drake, I feel like hides a lot. 
even though he is on social media and yeah, we know who he's eating lunch with and everything. We didn't know he had a kid. We didn't know how his kid looked like for the longest time. Uh, we, and, knew, we knew about, I knew about, we knew about that kid. Push it. <laughs> <laughs> T let us know. Yeah, about he, that he told us. <laughs> told us I the mean, baby mother. Made sure we were well informed. Yeah, he even let us know Drake did a commercial back in the day. Yeah, that we didn't even know about. That <laughs> <laughs> no one ever questioned. I'm dead. But I mean, he took a while to showcase his son. Like what, three years? I don't know. His could look like three when he yeah. po- finally posted that pic. And um, I just feel like we were, were accessible, but not accessible to Michael Jackson back in the day because he was just everywhere, you know, in like magazines, et cetera. But we didn't know what he was up to. Well, here's what I'll say, right, to that. Okay. I think that you have some celebrities that are like Drake that we see pretty much like we're going to we're guaranteed to see Drake at least a few times during, throughout the year. And then we have artists like Frank Ocean who it's like, hey, if we see Frank Ocean, it's because he probably wants us to see Frank Ocean or we just got lucky. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels like seeing Frank Ocean or even hearing anything about the man. Like, I think that's the way it felt like uh, before the rise of social media. I think with social media and things like that, we do have a lot more access to, you know, everybody. So, like, I, I don't me personally like yeah there are some celebrities that will be hard to get a hold of i don't think drake's one of them yeah okay hard to get a hold of and then is better than accessibility because i'm Uh, like yeah i think think we're more accessible we have more access to drake than we do the weekend well the weekend's definitely more introverted that's my point yeah Yeah. but even then though i think that's also like i I, because i agree like i think you have we have more accessibility to Drake than you do the weekend. But I also think it's the, it's just that thing of like, yo, like Kathleen said, like we, even though we knew, even though Pusha T introduced us to Drake's personal life of his child, his baby mother, the commercial that no one ever talked about. And we just saw it under the rug. Um, we really did. Yeah. Like, Hey, listen, man, that's the boy's <laughs> untouchable, man. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Drake. Like, um, but yeah, like there is that thing of everybody does have to have a private life. So like I totally get that. But like today, man, even even if we take outside of like like because I think we all agree that like accessibility is one thing, right? But like even if you just look at the whole thing with Michael Jackson, just in general, like I remember when Drake came to Howard. <clears throat> Girls were like, you remember when you said like girls are running a mile for me? There were right. girls running across one end of campus to the other end of campus just to see Drake. And that's cool. If Michael Jackson had popped up in, in, in any city, at any college, the whole city, the whole state mm-hmm. would be trying to find a way to be there <laughs> to see Michael Jackson, not even say anything. I agree with you. Yeah. He was like an icon, beyond an icon. I feel like Drake is more, he's so low key. So I just know why I can't compare his like artistry to Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson, he danced. I mean, Drake, I'll just see him like at that Nike, what factory or whatever. I, I mean, I, I think laugh, laugh, cry as, later. as far as their like, you know, content or whatever, like they're definitely 
um, two different types of artists. So I, I don't really like to compare them in that way. But mm-hmm. I think as far as popularity goes, you know, it'll be interesting. Like, it'll be interesting to see where we hold Michael Jackson and Drake. What were you about to say, Spence? Well, I was going to, well, what I was going to carry with was just, um, because I think popularity wise, I think is without question. I think we all mm-hmm. agree there. But like, even then, outside of popularity, like, if we just look in terms of success, right? Drake's, well, go ahead. Well, and just in terms of success, will we still will we still have that same feeling that there's not a comparison? Because when we look at Drake's accolades, he's Beatles by Elvis by mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. Hey, buddy, Prince, a hey, whatever. Whitney Houston. Oh, that's cool. Jay Z. Oh, hey, that that thing you did back in the 2000s was cute. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm calling the spade. I'm a, the biggest Jay-Z fan you'll ever find, probably. Know every song, almost every lyric. But Drake, success-wise, like, he's outsold the Beatles. He's outsold. He's, he's had, well, not outsold him, but he has more number one hits, I think. He's competitive. I mean, yes. I, I think, yeah. you know, you found a way to give Drake praise. So that's cool. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I know you hate him, so it's okay. <laughs> but you ain't stopping nothing, man. Drake is by far one of the most successful, you know, artists that we've ever seen. I'm just curious to see where he's going to end up in the story of Kanye, personally. Oh, no. That's going to be crazy. You think he's going to be um, in the documentary? I mean, he has Netflix, to be. Since Netflix is doing a documentary with Kanye West that's going to be released this year, Man, Drake Drake has to be somewhere in it. I'm just curious to know if that the tension between him and Drake will be talked about. That's going to be the that's going to be the thing because that that Kanye documentary is going to be nuts. That's oh. got to be a series. That can't be like just an hour. I need that to be like a five part series. So, Kathleen, what are you looking forward to seeing when you see this Kanye documentary? I just think there's a lot of conspiracy when it comes to Kanye. <laughs> And I feel like he's like the next Britney Spears as far as let's break down every little like thing about him because he's all about feeling free. And I think he is in a state where he feels controlled by either his marriage, the the networks or freaking his feelings about Drake. It doesn't sit well with my spirit. <laughs> You're a fan and, of Kanye. Yeah, 100%. I just love his free spirit, and I love that he just does what he feels like. Okay. Yeah. Nah, that's a fact. Like, do you? so no one Kanye does whatever he feels like. Mm-hmm. No one Kanye will do a rant at any drop of a dime. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to be one of, like, out of all that we've seen of Kanye West throughout his career, what do you think is maybe one of the more most interesting, or the what part are you anticipating to see in the documentary? In terms of like, or what stage of Kanye, I'll say. Because we have the all the different stages of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, 808s and Heartbreak, so on and so forth. I like his um, flashing lights Ooh. moment. I, I really was annoyed by him when he first came out, when he came out with College Dropout. I was like, this dude, whatever. Because he'd always be on my um, MTV. There's like, you know, back in the day, we had the cable boxes. Yeah. And then we had the cable um, music videos that always played on MTV, VH1. And I would always play like MTV. And then his new music would come out. I was like, who's this dude? It's like during the time when like 
Sugar, when you get so fly came mm. out, you know? <laughs> oh, what was that? Who was that? Baby Bat? Was that Baby Bat? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> was that Baby Bash? Oh, y'all would know better than me if it's Baby Bash. I can't speak on that. We just only know the song. Yeah, that, yeah. I, that was that's a classic. I, I don't even remember that. That, that was a classic, like, whew, what? Yeah, it's back, back in the day. I'm curious to see this Kanye documentary, though. I think, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, Kanye is some way, shape, and form involved in this. So I'm curious to see as to what exactly they talk about Kanye or what new you know, details they can reveal mm-hmm. about certain parts of things that he's did and certain, you know, things that certain parts and things that he's done. So I I think that it's interesting that they're even making a documentary about Kanye. I think they should make um, more documentaries about, you know, more current celebrities, because I think that it's uh, good to give fl- flowers to celebrities before they pass away. And you yeah. never know when that could be. Like yeah. appreciated. Right. But I, I just feel like there's a controversy with Kanye and a lot of people love Kanye and a lot of people see him as out there. But just because you like Kanye or anybody likes Kanye doesn't mean that we're like gonna bow down to him in a way. Mm. We could like somebody but not have to bow down to them. Not submit to them. And right. Their thoughts, just, you know? just like, okay, we vibe with it. Like, okay, he did the t- Taylor Swift thing. He had a point. We, we like heard him out, but I mean, we didn't like bow down to Kanye. We just let him do his thing on the stage. Yeah. It, it reminds me of um when he had that whole, like that whole rant at TMZ. I, I remember I think, that. Oh my gosh. That resonated with me. Yeah. And I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, um I think Westside used it as a, as a skit for one of his albums. And Kanye was like, yo, does everybody get what I'm saying? Do we I do. make sense? And everybody's yeah, like, I heard that the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Van Jones is like, honestly, I don't think you're saying anything. I think what you sound, I think you sound stupid. It's like, I think that's the thing where like what Kanye, like you said, Kanye wants people to submit to him. And then like you have people that are like, yo, nah, bro. So I, I, I think this should be interesting, especially if you do get to have people that have a alternative look at Kanye mm-hmm. West being able to speak, which knowing Kanye West, he may say cut their, cut their interview. If it's not something nice, don't say it at all. One more thing before we get off of Kanye. Like, I just think that, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see as to what exactly they say about some of the stuff in the latter part of his life, especially right now. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I think at this point in time in Kanye's career, like the music is important, but definitely the theatrics and some of the other stuff that he's done is uh, keeping him in the spotlight is what I'll say. But I mean, like Kanye is definitely, he's an enigma in this rap thing. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, I think to me, I think it's so ironic that how we were just talking about Drake in the comparison to Michael Jackson, when Kanye West, hopefully in this documentary, we get a chance to see him, hear him talk about that whole mindset where he would say, I'm the next Michael Jackson, I'm the next Walt Disney. Because we always, well, Kanye West always looked at himself as one of those ultra creators Mm -hmm. in that same vein. So it's, it's nice to be able to see someone like this get their flowers, even if he's got to give him being Kanye, being Kanye, being Kanye, giving his flowers to himself. Yeah. So it's, as it should be though. Yeah. It's sometimes, sometimes no one's going to pat you on your back. Sometimes That's you got to do Sometimes you got to say, yo, you're doing a good job. It's like that. Um, you're doing a good, a good job. job. <laughs> Is that a TikTok? Oh my gosh. I yeah. caught that so quick. <laughs> 
Bitch, you're doing a good job, bitch. You're doing a good job. <laughs> nah, that's a fact. Yo, that that's an alarm clock, yo. So our yes. ringtone. Before we move on to anything else, I know Kathleen, you're about to make your exit. Did you have anything else to say to the listeners? Thank you guys for everything. I feel really bad about how I explained the Gabby Petito thing. Um, I hope you guys don't be, like go after my soul. But thank you for like having interest in the freaking story, and definitely check out my YouTube channel and my um Instagram. Yeah, I, yeah, I was gonna, I was about to say, you gotta no shameless plugs, man. Hey, where can they follow you at? Exactly, Miss Underscore so clean and then my life is so clean channel and then stay tuned for my vegas vlogs yes yes i can't wait i definitely will make sure to be tuning in for that i hope the listeners are make sure y'all comment like and subscribe to everything that so clean kathleen's got going on hey because like we said she's a a a vise affiliate so she will return yes and we know she's gonna have something to say if you guys don't come out so do us the favor and show her that love. Hey, thanks, y'all. See you yeah. later, Kathleen. See y'all. See you. All right, listeners. So we just had Kathleen on. And shouts out to her. And also shouts out to, you know, Lyle, the tribal chief. He is gone, but we are still here. And uh-huh. we, me and Spence, you know, happen to be big fans of one rapper in particular. And recently he got an accolade. Lupe Fiasco, Food and Liquor, just went gold. And that's an album I listened to a ton in fucking school when I was going back in the day. Um, I thought the shit was pretty good. It's a classic album. I'm surprised that it took so long to go gold. So it's kind of interesting that it's going gold now. Yeah, no, nah, that uh, to me, I think that was probably the biggest surprise. Because like same the same way, Food and Liquor is hands down a classic hip hop album. Whether you like Lupe Fiasco or not, this is definitely the album that brought him to the dance as well as kept them at the dance that had fans awaiting, which would be his following classic album, which is uh, The Cool. Um, Amazing album. And to me, I think it's his best piece of work. If, if you don't think it's his best piece of work, you're probably, I just don't agree with you. I'll put it like yeah. that. Yeah, only, to, only only way I would possibly see, see someone saying otherwise if they were pulling mixtape Lupe Fiasco. See, but is that fair when we're talking about Lupe albums? Yeah, I, I feel you. I, I Trust me, I totally understand. I mean, that goes, but then that goes into that whole conversation of like, if, if like how we had that conversation before about like, uh, like singing rappers, right? Right. Whether, oh, if he's a singing rapper, then this, that, and a third, but it's like, or how we were talking about rappers today and then looking back at rappers back then of saying rappers today sing and then looking at uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony saying, yeah, they're singers and not rappers by today's standards. If we if we looked at it from that standpoint, it's like, oh, if it was streaming era, it would be an album. But even then, like, I don't want to go. T- I don't want to derail us too right. far from what right. we're what we're here for. Um, Shouts out Lupe. Yeah, definitely. One of the so, best lyricists in the game. Hands down, one of the best lyricists. Uh, this album probably was like, it, it meant a lot. I think definitely for a lot of us uh, when it came out because it it came out during our high school years. So. It, it's just a great album. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of upset that it, it's just getting gold after what, 15 years, 15, 16 years. Yeah. Like 16 years. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. I would assume the, well, I am surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised if the cool was already gold just because of the place that holds with a lot of people. So, I mean, I, this is an album that I listen to every now and then just because like, you know, it's a great album and you know, I, you gotta go back in Lupe's discography sometimes, especially if you're talking about mixtape Lupe. 
Yeah, no, nah, that's a fact. I, I was just listening to Mixtape Lupe the other day. Um, yeah, hand, to me, I think it's the, his best form. Um, and even he, I, Lupe went as far as um, not even, even though this had came out like a little bit beforehand, but he had did um, he had did a freestyle to uh, Champagne Poetry as well, yep. which was fire. As well as I, I believe he has another. This is actually this news with food and liquor is good. Also because he's, I, I believe he's putting out like a a nine song EP sometime, or some type of EP. I'm not sure the amount. I don't want to give a set track list, um, but he's supposed to be putting out an EP sometime soon as well. So I'm ho- hopefully he's able to do some type of flexing of food and liquor going gold as well. So so I mean with different releases like that from back in the day, we had a new release this weekend, the highly anticipated. Side B of Hitler Wears Hermes 8. Unfortunately, Lau, the biggest West Side Gun fan that we have on the podcast, including guests, is not here. But it's okay because me and Spence did listen to the album. Yeah, and I mean, even then, like, it, being a fan of West Side Gun, nonetheless, this was, uh, and I'm sure Lau would probably agree. I have to tap in when I'm see what he would think. Um, but I, to me, I think this was a good album. This was a good album, uh, well-rounded, West Side Westside, he was able to do what Westside does best of putting together projects. And I feel like to me that he executed this perfectly, man. Like Westside has Jay Electronica just hopping on. And I, and granted, I, I see the complaint that I think either you allow me like in episodes in the past where the track listing, it doesn't include the features, which can make it a little hard in this case, because we do know Westside is like a heavily featured artist. Well, his projects typically are. Um, but this album was great, man. Like I, I love the verse where we had Jay Electronica. Um, I, I think it was. I think he had Pharrell on one. I forget what song Pharrell produced on this, as well as like even I like I was a fan of Celine Dion. In how you start intro by A. Rashad to me is hands down probably the best intro I've heard in a while. Also, in terms of what Westside does with A. Rashad, especially. I think what he does with him is always kind of cool. I think the beats he has him talk on always sound amazing. So I'm never mad at hearing A Rashad talk for a little bit of time. I think personally, um, my favorite might be the one from Who Made the Sunshine, though, just because I just like that. But I mean, this album's good, unfortunately, because it came out so close to Side A. Like, I didn't really have a choice but to compare them as I was listening to them. One of the features that I really like from Side a, Side B, because I wasn't expecting it, was the 2 Chains feature. I thought he came mm-hmm. in, you know, and did a good job rapping. 2 Chains, I feel, like, is somewhat of an underrated rapper because of his rapping style. But I think whenever he raps, he usually kills it. You know what I mean? So I'm not mad at um, the verse he had. I thought it was actually pretty enjoyable. Um, side B has a lot of great beats. I think Side B, because it's not as concise as Side A, um, to me personally is kind of just it's just not as good as side a but it's a good listen for sure i think if you think about them as a uh double disc the way it was um supposed to be or the way that it was released the way i see it is is as a double disc side b is the more west side centric side i mean yeah. and it definitely does sound good side a definitely has a lot of stove god a whole bunch of other features and I think that uh, that one's kind of like the, hey, this is the curated by West Side. Side B is like, hey, you get West Side. So, I mean, me personally, I'm not mad at Side B. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what else comes out from Griselda later on this year. Nah, that's a fact. I mean, I, I, 
See, my thing is when it comes to side A and side B, like, because I, I believe we did say like last week or two weeks ago about looking at these as instead of looking at them as just two separate albums mm. instead of side A and side B. But even then, like you said, it's there's they they came out weeks apart, so right. it's so hard to different. It's so hard to separate the two. And listening to it, I, you can, I would say I personally prefer side B more, and I say that because it's um. I think side A is so heavily featured with Stove God Cooks, which I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of Stove God, but I think the way he was able to take, granted, they're bigger features on side B. They're more mainstream features, more uh, anticipated features by fans that have a bigger fan base. But those, I, I feel like he was able to do what Westside always does, is just using the features correctly. Even like the 2 Chains verse. Like 2 Chains isn't a slouch. Like, I think... T- I mean, I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but like, I right. mean, I think like two changes isn't a slouch in so many words. So he was able to stand strong. Um, to me, Jay Electronica probably had one of my favorite verses off here, though. You know, I, I think the thing for me is that okay, let's say Stove God, Stove God was on like seventy percent of side A, right? We can agree to that, right? But my thing is, is that how many songs did Stove God like just make? Whereas like, yo, he killed that. Now, if you want to say, hey, that's great for the album, but that's not great for necessarily thinking of where you place it in album of the year. Cool. I understand that. But I mean, like Vogue cover wouldn't be the same without, um, did I say Westside? I meant Stove God. If I, if I messed it up, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, Vogue cover wouldn't be the same without Stove God. Um, I think uh, Westheimer, which is a song that me and you both enjoy right now. Like those are songs that essentially rely on stuff God to drive the song. So I right. mean, like me personally, I'm not mad at that. I think that's just once again speaks to how good Westside is at curating his albums. No, nah, I can I can understand that. Like I mean, Westside, like that's the thing. Like you said, it's 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 like how we were saying earlier. Like everybody has to know the role that they play, and sometimes a person may not know, but the coach, like you have to, sometimes you need Pat Riley. And to me, West Side Gun, especially when on side A, he definitely, well, projects in general, he's like a Pat Riley of just knowing, okay, this or Popovich. Oh, I, I don't, I, I don't have to have the, the most flashy rappers, X, Y, and Z. It's like, yo, I can put something together. Give me this crew and I can put a team together. And that, and I think with Stove God Cooks, it kind of, it, it definitely shows definitely inside a because it definitely like you said some of those songs stove guy drives it and if if Westside was so like and Westside wasn't who he was as a person from what it, it comes across as he would probably say nah you're doing too much on my song like it, stove guy really makes the song his song but you need that touch it's like 40 like 40 even if Drake has someone else produce a song for him 40s touches it last. 40s the last one to touch it. And it's it kind of it's kind of like that with Westside to some extent when it comes to Stove God, I think. Well, there was a couple other releases that I didn't really get a chance to listen to, but we figured that we give them some shine just because you know we like the artists or we, you know, have fucked with some of their past releases. Um, we had Crime Apple who just released a mixtape or I should say an album with DJ Muggs. Uh, Larry June and Cardo Spence. I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to that because I know Larry June's your guy. A A A numbers. A A A A A Goddamn. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> now I I I I think I played maybe one or two songs from the album. I haven't had a chance to sit down with it. Uh, 
I was mainly focused on side B with uh, West Side Gun, mm -hmm. which speaking of Larry June was on there. He was on there. Him and P. Re not P. Rico. Um, Jay, Jay Worthy. Jay Worthy. Him and Jay Worthy were on a song with uh, West Side. So shout outs to him there. Uh, I'm definitely going to be checking out the late night. I think that's definitely going to be uh, one of those projects that I just honestly, I feel like West Side to me, West Side, pro not West Side to me, Larry June projects are something that are best just driving like outside with the wind blowing or just some it's you know how his whole demeanor is of just laid back healthy type of style so so the one release that came out this week i'm gonna have to play the loud the loud role this week unfortunately i listened to a little bit of uh nba's nba young boys album and i'm just not really the fan of that type of music so um to me personally, when I I'm going to give it a chance just because I don't feel like the chance I gave it was fair. That's not usually the type of rap I listen to. But he did put out an album since injury since it. Uh, I can't fucking Sincerely. speak. Sincerely, Kendrell. And me personally, I'm going to give it a chance because I feel like I should. Yeah, I mean, you got you. You have to. And I mean, granted, I, young boy is someone I can understand not being a big fan of. Um, or the type of music he makes. Like, I think Young Boy is also of the, I think he he's one of the biggest artists of like this new era. Um, it's even in the numbers back it up. I think in terms of numbers, he's probably one of like, he's probably like top three of like this new era between like the the little babies, the money bag girls and everything like that. Um, I'll have to check it out. I didn't have a chance to listen to it, but I do know like he's, um, He's a very aggressive rapper. So I'm very, uh, I can only imagine what the subject matter is about. Is he talking about um, his whole, is he still locked up? Uh, I think he is, but I mean, I'm honestly not sure, but I, I didn't listen to it close enough. Like it was kind of like one of those, like, hey, I just want to hear the sound of it type listens. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, I got to get this out the way. No, nah, not even like, I was just listening to it. Like the way I see it is, if I don't like the way it sounds, I probably won't like it. You know what I mean? Right. So like before I listen to even a West Side album, if I'm not listening to the full lyricism of what he's saying, I have to like the way it sounds. That's why I like Hell on Earth Part 2. I just like the way it sounds. But mm -hmm. I mean, that the lyricism and everything else comes with it, the way you sound over a beat. But the, the sound of the overall song needs to sound good in order to listen to it. I think that's the reason why a lot of people like music. Nah, I can understand that. Like, I think a lot of times it does come down to how it sounds. And if it, like you said, like if the, well, I mean, even like they say, like if the beat doesn't catch you, then it, you're you're in for a long night. So it, it's definitely one of those things where you definitely want to be able to, it has to pull you in musically, even if it doesn't pull you in lyrically. Now, like you said, lyrics do have to play a part, but in some cases, in some cases, there are people that just choose to, do rapping and just have no beat. And in those cases, in, in those rare forms is very well, is receptive. And I, I think the the best scene of that is probably Summer Madness, the URL event. Um, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if the listeners are familiar, but URL, uh, the Battle Rap, URL TV, the Battle Rap company, they, uh, them and Caffeine actually hosted Summer Madness 11, which is pretty much like, the WrestleMania, as Lau always refers to the WrestleMania of, this is like the WrestleMania of um, of URL. It's one of their biggest events. Uh, they actually held it in Houston. It was a sold out event. Um, there, I mean, there. I'll put it like this: 
for it to be the event that it is it was supposed to be um like you said sometimes you need a beat man because some of these guys some of these some of these acts weren't the best let's get the uh, bad ones out the way first all right so let's just let's just start from the very beginning right from the, right. the very first battle mvp versus real name brandon uh, wasn't next. i yeah it wasn't, <laughs> we don't have to talk yeah, about it yeah I, well i'm just saying like it was to me um Battle rap wise, uh, I I do want to say this. I I think MVP MVP to me came out trying to start off with uh, punchlines, a little too. He was a little too heavy with punchlines, coming out. And he wasn't doing his setups weren't the best, so he wasn't trying. He was he was anticipating the crowd's reaction, in his bars, which kind of messed him up. Versus just keep rapping, and if the crowd reacts, they react. So he ended up having a bad performance. Real name Brandon. He was more of a performer to me in comparison to um, MVP, but at the same time, the, and he actually was getting a better crowd reception, but he was just marginally better. So hopefully these guys kind of get their act together and hopefully they can, uh, well, real name Brandon, he can, it, hopefully it, it does something forward in terms of his career. I'm not mad at real name Brandon for the battle. I think he played a decent role. Like you said, he was a better performer. And I think that's as to why some of his bars got off a little bit more during the performance um to me the battle itself as a whole just wasn't all that great but you know shout out to real name brandon for at least bringing something to the battle that was cool not to say that mvp was a trash rapper i don't want to do all that to him but wasn't my favorite right he, he they weren't they weren't they weren't that far apart in terms of talent for the most part but i mean even outside of that right like i mean it was an opening act it's great to see them on the summer on the summer madness stage but following that, they actually ended up being, I believe, the opener for um, Arsenal versus Lou Castro, which ended up being um, a, a good battle for, in terms of, to me, I have Arsenal winning that. Uh, either, I would say 3-0, but I can see someone saying 2-1 because Lou Castro wasn't that great in his first two rounds. In that third round, he just went crazy. So I, but even then, I I can see how it's still at three zero. Me personally, I'm gonna give it a. You know what? I'm gonna give it a two one because I think Lou Castro might have took that. Well, I can't even remember the third round that Arsenal had at the moment, but I I think Arsenal did enough. Matter of fact, no. Let me restart that because I remember now. I'm gonna give that a three zero for Arsenal just because I feel that overall his performance was just better and he was hitting some some schemes and rhymes that seemed that until the third round. Lou Castro just wasn't hitting. I think we had said that uh, as we were watching the last night, maybe he just didn't have three rounds worth of that third round. But that third yeah. round was a good round. Yeah, it was. I think, um, like, like even from, um, I think it was Arsenal, was he did the power flip of the streets need a body. And to me, I think that was, like, a crazy line as well as the, um, no, I think not I was surf. But, uh yeah, like he he did a great job, but I, even with Luke Castro, like you said, he had a, a fire third round, which to me personally, I think what probably happened was he, I think his third round may have been the first round he wrote, mm. right? And because it was so good, I felt like his second, his when he had a right round two and, well, when he wrote his first and second round, I think he was trying to anticipate like, yo, I wrote this third, I wrote my third round first. And I need my first two rounds to follow up with it because <clears throat> with a third round that strong, it wasn't a rebuttal, rebuttal heavy or anything. With a third round that strong, 
I could have seen that being like, this was like, yo, you should have started here. This is how you should have started the the battle, right? Mm. But at the same time, it's like, for you not to start about start the battle with that type of intensity as the third round, I'm guessing, like you said, he didn't have those other two rounds. And more than likely, he was writing those afterwards, trying to make them, he was already, de- he probably was dealing with the pressure of writing two more rounds that sounded as good as that third, man. But it's but shout out to Lou Castro. Hopefully, um, he learns from this and he can kind of he he it that third round does enough for him to move him forward. So what was the next battle? Uh, the next battle was actually Chess versus Easy to Block Captain. The best battle, of hands the night. down, hands down, battle of the night. Um, I do think, I I think there were some people saying that this was a debatable. Uh, to me, I got Easy to Block Captain three zero in Chess. Uh, pos- is arg- I can argue two one, uh, which is which is fine. Uh, but easy to block captain. He was just more better of a of a of a battler. He anything in terms of the subject matter, any points that Chess was trying to go to with easy to block captain, he was playing in his own in within his realm. Whether it be talking about uh, being locked up, the streets, whatever, it was our. It's like hey, I think easy to block captain says something of like yo. I, when I caught my first gun charge was back in 08 and you wasn't even, you wasn't even a decade old. So like, it just lets you know, like in terms of the life experience that he was pulling from, it's, it's hard to outbeat someone when you play at their game. So in my opinion, I feel like easy to block captain was just good at uh, doing the, you know, streets, you know, life type rap, you know what I mean? Real right. bars, da, 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 da. I mean, it, I think that Chess was good at it as well, but I don't think he was really matching easy in what he was doing. And I think that his second round really kind of saved him from being 3-0. But that being said, though, I mean, when somebody's that good at rapping about that, you can't really you can't really do that with them. So I feel right. like you kind of got to change your strategy just a little bit. I mean, me personally, it's like trying to rap with like Lux about like, you know, priorities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Probably wouldn't be your best decision. Well, let's not, well, yeah, something like that. I mean, priorities probably, let's not use priorities. Only reason I say that is because priorities is a, a term by X Factor. That's his slogan. I'm wrong. You're right. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah, but, but I get what you're saying. Like, because at the end of the day, Lux thing is like activism and like the conscious thing, it, which is essentially priorities nonetheless, just right. a different way of putting it. So like, but now nonetheless, I can, I definitely see that where it's like, you can't play in the, you can't fight in you can't, it's it's not always easy to play someone else's game and win. Right. right? So I definitely can go, I definitely can give you that. Um, I don't, I th- think this was the battle that came up afterwards. Um, after that easy to block captain battle, I believe was hollow to Don and versus K shine. So this was the last battle that I actually enjoyed from the night. Um, I think that hollow to Don is a very good battle rapper. And when I hear him rap, I, I think that he's just usually good at going in and being a performer. But not only that, actually having good rhyme schemes and whatever. It just seemed like he was out rapping K-Shine and also outperforming K-Shine. It just seemed like no matter what K-Shine did in the next round, he was going to lose the hollow. So, like, me personally, I enjoyed that battle, but it wasn't because it was necessarily competitive. Yeah, I, I can agree there. Um to me, when I watched the battle, I did see where that Hollow had the clear advantage. Um, Hollow kind of came into this battle, and we all know Hollow does what Hollow does, which is being able to be funny. 
he's able he doesn't always have to go with a lyrical miracle style of but he he knows how to incorporate being funny while also adding that sense of lyricism into the battle so I think he was able to achieve that and Kayshawn I think Kayshawn was having a hard time the crowd looked like they weren't going for him and which was reasonable because to me Hollow was just a better battler I kind of did um this battle kind of did lose me somewhat because it, to me it felt one-sided uh, for the most part. So hollow is hollow to Don and I, I had to give it to hollow as well. Uh, the battle that followed that though was probably one of the, one of the most awaited battles uh, of this card, which was Sue surf versus John, John the Don as, as the announcers would say the Sue surf's arch enemy, his arch rival, <laughs> John, John the Don. So does that have any truth to it whatsoever? Listeners, you got to understand, I'm not really in the rap battle culture like that. Yeah, so um, so just to give you a little backstory, right? So I wouldn't necessarily say they're arch rivals because they're not, as you saw that night, they weren't, well, let me not even say that, but they're not arch rivals, right? They know each other. They're all cool. Right. Battle rappers, for the most part, um, and actually going back to Lou Castro's battle where they kept doing this shoulder bump the whole night. Like most of these guys are friends outside of this. This is just like, Hey, I'm a push you bump you, but I'm we friends. Once we get out of here, we're probably going to go to the bar club together. Right. So they, there's never been a thing, but John, John, the Don has been chasing Luke, uh, has been chasing Sue surf for a while. He's been begging to get a battle for him with him for the past couple of years. And he did finally get his match. He really, he finally got his, uh, his one wish you can say, and of course, what happened was you separate the the boys from the men in this battle. To me, uh, John John the Don was doing a great job. He performed well. I liked his rounds. He was he was making it a fight. And some will probably say it's a debatable. But to me, when Sue Surf kind of got on stage, even he even said, "We're not in Houston tonight. We're in New Jersey." And he made sure we felt that by just bar after bar, whether it was basketball flips, whether it was just talking to him, what no matter what, wherever he wanted to go, he could take it to John John. And John John had a hard time that night. Um, I give it to Surf. I don't think um, I, I, I I'm very curious. I'm really curious. I wish they had post. I wish they had post press conferences same the same they as they do in the UFC because I would love to hear them to talk about uh, them recapping this, or if they did, I may have missed it. Well, um, as far as the John, John to Don battle, me personally, I, I thought that Sue surf won. I thought that overall, I think more of his performance was good. I think that his bars hit a little harder and me personally, I, w- I wasn't necessarily looking forward to it, but after the performance he put on against uh who did he battle at, at the last battle we watched together, Spence? Um, you're talking about John John Donna Surf. Sue Surf. Uh, I think the last battle we may have seen him may have been Reed Dollars. Either no, nah, he battled Reed Dollars later. It was when he battled Lux. He battled Lux at the um at the quiet room last last summer. So after seeing the Lux battle, I you know, I was curious to see what he did. And I think that he put on another amazing performance. Now, you know, going on to Reed Dollars, and we don't have to stick on these last battles too long, yeah. they weren't enjoyable to me. And that's all I really have to say about them. Yeah, well, and listen, to me personally, I'm willing to go even further, a step further. To me, I think uh, the way I was going to introduce the next battle, the co-main, which was uh, Murder Mook versus Reed Dollars, was that this may have been the worst battle of the night. It was. 
when I'm uh, mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I and I say that knowing that we nobody was there wasn't a big fandom or a fan reaction from MVP versus Real Brandon, which was the opening act. That opening act was better than this. Uh, this I don't even know if I would say a battle because the crowd wasn't receptive to Mook. Um, neither were they receptive as much to Reed Dollars. Uh, similar to one of my friends has said that they think Reed Dollars probably needs a few more battles before he gets in there to be on that big of a stage, which is possible because Reed is pretty much, for a lack of better terms, how, how Sue Surf said to John John in their face-off about Ace Amin, he's still learning how to battle rap to some extent, right? Or get him, in, in Reed's case, he's just getting himself back, more acclimated back to the battle rap culture. So he lost this. Um, I actually, I don't even, I wouldn't even say Reed lost. I would say the only person that won was the the promoter in this case. Because this, this was a long, I'm not sure if you know, this was a long way to battle. This is a battle that was supposed to happen when these two guys were the biggest battle rappers in the world back in the early 2000, the mid 2000s. Yeah, mid 2000s, early 2000s is a different era. Here, but uh, here's but the thing. My best, sorry, God. That during that era, they, this was a the biggest fan of way to battle. And then they ended up putting it together at this time. Similar to Nick Diaz, how Nick Diaz said, I don't know why this even happened. Well, I don't even know who booked this. Here's my thing, right? Like, as far as that battle goes, like, I'm not really into the culture. So, like, I, I watched that battle. I didn't enjoy it. I'm not going to watch it again. And as far as Nick Diaz goes, now, well, at, well let me we'll we'll move into that in a bit we'll move into that a bit but uh yeah no i wasn't really a a big fan of that battle at all yeah um and because i just want to close this out with the main event of the night which was gichigati versus calico no uh wasn't a big fan of it either either. and i think it was partially because it was a it wasn't a bad battle right it was they did they were both good battle rappers i think the thing was when the co-main event is just not that great and let's be honest this is a t- battle rap is is fan dependent to some extent, right? And I think Sue Surf showed that a lot because when we when you saw him against Lux in the quiet room, he was having a hard time and he ended up choking. But once you put him in front of a crowd, he does well. So I think crowd reaction does play a part when it comes to battle rap and for battlers to feed off of. And to me, it just felt like the Geechee Gotti one, the Geechee Gotti Calico. Whether it be the fans in the in the building or whether it be me as a fan, it just it didn't do it for me. So it wasn't a bad battle. Um, I'll probably give it to I'm not even gonna say who I think won because I didn't I didn't pay enough attention to it to to be able to make an accurate prediction. Cause by this time I was by this time the pay-per-view had already started for UF two sixty-six. So I mean, I, I hadn't really paid attention, so let me not be so hard on it either. But yeah, by, by that time, listeners, we were moving on to my main event for the main for the night, which was uh, UFC 266. It was a pretty big card, as we alluded to last week in the preview, but we made it there. And before the main main event even started, we were watching the prelims. And, uh, you know, there was a fight that came on Marlon Mariah's most recent fight. And at the beginning of the fight, I was talking to, you know, everybody in the room. Spence was there and I was like, hey, I think this fight is going to be ended in the second round by the guy he faced. Can't pronounce his name. Have no idea how to pronounce his name. But that being said, uh, I was just like, I have a strong feeling he's going to end this fight in a second. And I was just like, just watch. Now, Spence, did you enjoy that? 
It was a good fight. It was, I enjoyed the fight. You definitely did call it. Um, I think Moraes, it, I think he might have had, there was only one moment in that fight where, because he was getting tagged and he, he was getting the, the upper hand of his opponent. But similar to the fashion, what you said, you're like, yo, if, he's, if he can make it through this, he's going to win. And he surely came through and won the fight. It was um, it was impressive, actually. I was very impressed by it. Um, I think because I believe the guy was ranked 11, and now this hopefully this and I think Marias is ranked eight. So hopefully this helps get him into the top 10 at this point. Um, and he had a good performance. I'm curious to see what the his opponent does. I'm like similar to like you said. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but I will give you your credit because you definitely called this fight while they were walking into the <laughs> walking into the octagon. So. Yeah, man. I mean, look, like I like Marlon Marais. I think he's a very skilled fighter. Um, he his gas tank has been very suspect since he's been in the UFC and also his chin has as well. And um, I think that, you know, honestly, with this latest loss on his record, I think he is out of the last four fights. Um, let's see, one in three. And I think the one is a very shaky decision over Jose Aldo, which I can't remember at the moment. Um, but I think that fight was a little controversial because people thought Jose Aldo won. I, I think I do remember. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if it was. I'm not sure if it was that fight, but I do remember there was a fight where Jose Aldo did lose, and there was some there was some talk around it. So, I mean, so I have a question. Then. So, what do you think is the the best direction for Morales moving forward? Morales moving forward. Unfortunately, I think he'll get cut. Um, I don't think he's going to stay in the UFC anymore. Um, I'm pretty sure that when he came into the UFC, he probably had a little bit of a price tag because he was the champion in the World Series of Fighting while that was still, you know, a a relevant uh, promotion. So I think that, you know, more than likely he'll end up being cut. I think that he'll probably make his way over to Bellator or um, I can't remember the name of the other. One FC. No, 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 not One FC. The one that's on ESPN. PFL, thank you. He'll probably make his way over to one of those on um, promotions and he'll have a little bit of success. He's not a bad fighter, but he just hasn't been able to put it together in the UFC at all. So, um, you know, shouts out to him. But that was the last fight prior to the main card starting. And uh, Spence, did you have any thoughts on any fights or did you want to start from the main event and work down? Um, let's 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 build our way up to the main event. OK, so what are your thoughts? Um, so first fight we're talking is what Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia, Cynthia Calvillo. Man, listen, this was one fight that I believe going into the fight, we had said like, oh, Jessica Andrade is going to, this isn't going to be a problem for her. And sure enough, it wasn't. Jessica Andrade went in there, handled this woman like it, like it was nobody's business. But we already knew this. Jessica Andrade it, she's just dominant, man. She's a she's a dominant figure, and I think we had said like there's a reason why. Uh, or she's maybe, still on the title picture. Exactly. She's it's similar to how we said about DC before, right? How I think I use this as a term for DC, where when John Jones was the champion, DC was always number two. He was he always found his way of clearing everybody else out of the out of the division to fight for the championship, but just couldn't beat the champion. So in Jessica Andrade's case, um, just from what this looks like. It was, it wasn't really that much. It wasn't really a, it wasn't much to be said other than like, yo, she came through and handled business that we already predicted. I wasn't mad at Jessica Andrade for the um, job she did as far as, you know, getting the stoppage against Cynthia Calvillo. 
Um, I expected a little bit more from Cynthia, but you know, Jessica Andrade is Jessica Andrade, and she's like a pretty much a pretty permanent stay. She's a pretty much permanent figure. She's a pretty permanent figure in the flyweight division, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, I think that, you know, I can't really be mad, too mad at her for winning that fight. I was uh, very surprised. Now, the next fight, honestly, and I'm not sure if you have much to say about it, but in my opinion, the worst fight from the main card, um, I think that Curtis Blades does essentially did what he usually does, except in the stand-up, he didn't really throw much of anything. But because Rosenstrike seemed to be so afraid of being taken down, all he had to do was faint him to death in order to keep him um, guessing and, you know, push him and pressure him. The few times that he did, because it wasn't like it happened like a lot. It was very uh, frustrating for me to watch, seeing as like I was actually looking forward to this card. But I mean, it is what it is. You can't have all, you know, fire cards all the time. Spence, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree. You can't always have fire cards every time. But this was this fight was probably a travesty to me. Um because it just looked, it was a lot of fainting. It was just nothing but dancing for the most, for the most part. It was just, it was a dancing fight for all, what was it? All three rounds. It was all three rounds, just nothing but a dancing match. Uh, Rosenstrike, Rosenstrike wasn't really unloading like that, which I had called this fight where I thought Rosenstrike would end this fight in the first or second round. No, I knew this. I, I believe that this fight wouldn't even make it to the, to the third round at least uh, with just a KO from Rosenstrike. But it wasn't that, um, I'm surprised that the ref didn't really stop them as much and say, you guys need to be more active in the fight because it was just, it was, it, like I said last night, ever since the pandemic, right? I feel as though the UFC cards have gotten better and not just in terms of the paper, the big, the big box ones, but just in general, a lot of fights that we, because I think initially you just saw a lot Fighters didn't know. No one knew what would happen next. So you were Dana was putting on the very best fights, and on paper this looked to be a very good fight. We had a lot of high expectations, especially with the cards we've had previously, as well as just just seeing some of the fights in the most more recent weeks. Um, but this fight was just a travesty, man. Like I, I, I'm quite sure their phone won't be getting picked up anytime soon. Curtis Blades, who did win this fight against Rosenstrike, I don't think his phone will be going off anytime, anytime soon for a, a bigger fight after this. You know, um, Curtis Blades put on a good example as to why you don't necessarily just want to win. So, you know, in my opinion, like, I think that, uh, you know, good job on getting another W on your record, but you did nothing to impress me personally. But I mean, but that being said, let's move on to the next fight. The most impressive, the the more impressive, or or as well. Go ahead, go ahead. The people's main event is what I was going to call it. Yes, um, perfect. The return of Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler after 17 years. This fight was uh, pretty interesting. Now, it was funny because I predicted Nick Diaz to win this fight, and I I just figured why not. But you know, after seeing him fight last night. I don't want to see Nick Diaz fight again, if I'm being honest, personally. Um, mm. it, he just looks like he didn't really care to be there, especially at the finish of the fight. Um, he looked incredibly slow, like, you know, age is actually catching up to him, which, I mean, he is 38 or 39. So, I mean, that just happens over time if you're not constantly being active. 
Um, I after seeing that fight, you know, do you really think he can fight somebody like Kamaru? Do you really think he can fight somebody like Izzy? Do you think he can fight somebody like Jorge and win? Like, do you, you know what I mean? Like, let's let's be like 100% real. And, you know, shouts out to Nick Diaz. He's a legend, you know, but at the same point in time, why why do we want to watch somebody go through that who just isn't there? It's not like GSP who beat Michael Bisping. This is something totally different. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that was even for a title at that point. This is like, this is one of those fights that even like, even like, Nick said initially where he's like, yo, I don't even know why we're having this fight, which I think is just BS because he just wanted to fight for, he was just trying to find, he was trying to angle his way for his next, and if he were to win the fight, who he would want to fight next, which would be Usman, and Usman was by, was taking the bait a little bit. I do agree he would have, he would have gotten demolished by anybody that's a top five fighter, top, yeah, any top five fighter, top seven fighter probably, he would probably get demolished by. He looks slow. Um, the thing that made this fight actually interesting and good was the fact that though they both, because they're both 38, 39, him and Rob, uh, Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler, this fight was a fight where they were, they were just going, they were going back to the old school of just like, Hey, we're going to sit here and bang and just bang it out. Um, and they were getting busy with each other, but to me, honestly, after seeing this, I think Nick Diaz needs to retire as well as Robbie Lawler. Um, because even though Robbie Lawler won this fight, because of how it it wasn't a definitive, it was a definitive win, but it wasn't a definitive win, if you get what I mean. In terms of when they were competing with each other, they were both catching each other. There were yep. moments in time in the fight. I thought Robbie Lawler was going to get knocked out, which which was a surprise to me because it was like, Diaz is throwing these old man slow punches. And hitting them. It, exactly. It, it, exactly. This reminds his, me. His of, head was turning different colors, and, and that scared me because I was saying to myself, "I'm like, yo, this reminds me of seeing Chuck Liddell like fighting in that." Um, you did you ever watch that little grudge match he did with Tito Ortiz? Like, I think it was like the third fight. Absolutely not. Man. Uh, it was. It was horrible. It was. It was horrible to watch. I I remember watching. It was horrible to watch because. Chuck Liddell was just, he was much older. He wasn't, he was a shell of himself in so many words. And seeing this from both fighters, I understand they got fan bases. They have fan bases that would, that would like to see them fight, especially Nick Diaz. But after this, I think it's best to hang it up. I was surprised. I think DC was trying to leave the space open after the fight to say like, Hey, if you want to announce your retirement, you can do it right now. What's yeah. your plans after this? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to just go back to the drawing board. I'm like, dude, you're done. Like, even when he, even when the fight was over, Robbie Lawler got up and was like, yo, come on, get back on your feet. And he just, it reminded me of Mike Tyson with Lennox Lewis, where he just laid on the ropes and was just like, nah, I'm done. Yeah, it was weird, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. And when I saw that, I was just like, all right, you know, for Nick Diaz, like, you've had a legendary career, you know, legend of the sport. Just, you know, just be done. There's no shame in that. You know what I mean? And I feel like um, Robbie Lawler should be done as well. But, you know, that being said, I'm sure there will be more to talk about because the Diaz brothers definitely, you know, aren't ones to be quiet. And I'm sure that we'll hear, you know, what's going on next with Nick Diaz. Now, the co-main event, the bullet herself, Valentina Shevchenko came in did her thing like we all predicted shouts out to lauren murphy definitely you know try to be game but 
Valentina is just too skilled for her. Um, you know, she went in there, she dominated all aspects of the fight, standing up on the ground to eventually get the finish. I mean, I'm not necessarily mad at her, but that being, I'm not mad at her for, you know, the way she, uh, you know, competed, but I think she was just outclassed. You know what I mean? Shouts out to Valentina, one of the best females to ever do it. And I think the UFC should definitely get behind her. Oh, no, that's a fact. I think they need to stand more behind her after seeing this performance. Um, it This performance overall, it was a clear indication that Valentina is just a dominant figure within her division as well as within this fight. Um, she at no point and at no point in this fight did I did I feel any concern that Valentina had a a a, a tenth of a percent of losing this fight, right? Not I didn't even have that much doubt in me. Um Valentina, shout out to Lauren Mur Murphy as well, but she did look nervous in there when she was fighting. Um, she was getting eat up by some leg kicks as well. That probably didn't help because um, I'm not sure if you noticed, but when she was when she was in her stance or coming out into the uh, into the match, there there was all this bouncing jitteriness that it seemed. While Valentina Valentina just looked like she just like she just looked so calm, like she looked like she had just woken up from a nap. How calm she was in there and just teeing her off. I'm surprised. I I was surprised that, that Murphy made it this far into the fight by the fight ending in the fourth round because she was just taking a beating the whole time. Uh, there's nothing you can do against a fighter like that. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just the way it works. Some someone that good comes along and you just can't beat them no matter how hard you no matter how hard you can try. And Murphy did try, but it just wasn't enough. Now, um going to the main event after this, and I think the main event delivered way more than I expected it to. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Match of the night, featherweight title fight. Um, wow, that fight was good. I predicted, I was talking to Spence last night, and usually MMA math is a crazy thing. And I figured because Alexander Volkanovsky was able to hang in there with Max Holloway, his stand-up will be good enough to hang in there with Brian Ortega. I also noticed that Brian Ortega, while he has more um, of a submission game, his overall uh, ground control, I'll say, I don't think is necessarily better than Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah. And that showed last night, in my opinion. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky, you know, went in there. And I think when he started really connecting with his shots, I think he uh, showed as to why he's the current champion. And I, I thought that the performance he put on was amazing. Nah, I, I agree. I think this performance was amazing. Uh, Volkanovsky showed that there was a difference between the two fighters. He was able to stay in the pocket most of the time, hitting him with a jab, being able to slip his punches, connecting to the body, hitting him with any shots that he wanted. And he was taking some hits, though, because there was a moment in time where I got to give Brian Ortega his credit, where Brian Ortega, he was taking a beating. I think it was in the second round. He found a way of actually clipping uh, Volkanovski and dropping him. As soon as he dropped him, he tried to go for a submission. And... It, it was like such a chain of events, a turning change of events that it just, it, it ramped up the fight so much more. And then I think that in that second round, Brian Ortega almost came close to getting a submission twice, but Volkanovski, he wasn't having it. The only way he was, only way he was losing that fight is if he was out on, if he left out on the stretcher, you could tell. And like you said before, his game planning for this fight it superseded like all the MMA math that we could probably even calculate because he just looked 
stand up wise, he looked like he was a better stand up fighter. On the ground, he was a better fighter on the ground. Submission wise, he was almost getting submitted. He got he almost got submitted a couple times, but and he was getting caught by Brian Ortega, but he was just leaving damage. Brian Ortega at some point in the fight, at the end of the fight, they came close to the the refs had to stop step in, which probably helped him so he can get a second win to see if he should even continue fighting because his eyes looked like they were closing shut from that knee that uh, Volkanovski gave to him. So, you know, um, I personally thought that when he caught those two submissions in the third, I was like, oh, this fight might be over because it just Mm -hmm. seemed so like tight. And he's known for, you know, putting on triangles and, you know, his submission game. So when he had the, um, the guillotine and the triangle, I was like, ooh, this, you know, might be a little rough, but he pulled out and he was able to make it to the rest of the fight. I was thoroughly impressed by Alexander Volkanovsky. And last week I had said that I wasn't necessarily a fan of his fighting style, but I mean, like after uh, watching this fight and maybe, you know, I was just hating a little bit, but watching that fight last night, I I enjoyed that fight a lot. So definitely all the kudos to him. Yeah, I, I definitely the kudos to him. Um, I do have a question though. So in terms of, after seeing a dominant fight uh, from Volkanovski last night, as well as seeing where he, how he beat, how he had a game plan for beating Max Holloway in their in their last fight, uh, what do you think is the best option or the best move for Volkanovski in his next for or his next potential opponent? I mean, at this point, I think that what they're going to try to do is Yair versus uh, Max Holloway. I'm also seeing some reports that Zabit is back, so I know that people mm-hmm. you know really want to see Zabit. Fight, but that being said, because he's been out for so long, he's going to need like I think one or two more fights to actually be the next contender. But I think Max Holloway, the the trilogy is going to happen at some point, just because they seem to be the best ones to do it. Max Holloway, I don't see him losing to Yair, and after you beat you beat you know Calvin Cater the way he did, and if he beats Yair, then you know what else does he have to do? You know what I mean? Exactly. And I mean, I think the thing about Max Holloway is like Max, he Max has found his way of being one of those guys in that division. And I think even at featherweight, I I don't see him. I don't see too many. I don't see in terms of his road back to the title or for that, for that trilogy. I do see him making his way there. I mean, like you said, as a beat, that would be great. But if you're coming back from an injury, you do need to have a, you, you, he hasn't built up the, the status or the, the right to come back off an injury and come for a championship. Right. So he hasn't got himself to that point, but I don't know. I think I can see that happening where we end up getting that trilogy some way. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that might be the best option as well. Like finding a way of getting that trilogy between him and Max, which would probably be a great fight. I mean, I, depending on how the fight goes, because now I, I believe what they are. Volkanovski's up. Volkanovski is up, what, 2-0 against Max, correct? Yes. Yeah, so it's even if a trilogy happens, I'm it's weird because in in the event of a trilogy, typically if you typically if you win the fight the first time, you win the fight the second time, and ideally the third time as well. But with someone like Max, he's he's good and he's willing to he's willing to put in the work. It's just all about I think it really depends on the game plan that uh that Volkanovski could possibly show if that's if that ends up being his next fight. But nonetheless, shout outs to Volkanovski. It was probably to me the fight of the night for myself, per, and by preference from what I saw. So, well, I mean, there was some other news in the UFC. You know, uh, GSP got inducted into the Hall of Fame, 
And mm-hmm. one of John Jones's fights got inducted to the Hall of Fame as well. Unfortunately, John Jones being my favorite fighter also had some rough situation go on. We don't know exactly as to all the details. He said that he wants to be back next year in quarter two to fight. But if the details of this uh, report are correct, it looks like he um, might be in trouble with the law. John Jones got arrested for what appears to be domestic violence and tampering with the vehicle, which is also a felony, apparently, where they are in Vegas. Um, Spence, what do you what do you have to make of all this? Um, it's it's still too early to come out with an opinion, right? In terms of the typical rhetoric when it comes to John Jones of like, this is a guy that can't get right. Um, based off his history and past, this doesn't look good uh, just because it's, it just seems like something's trailing him. But I, I do need to see more details come out about this on how this whole thing happened. It is unfortunate nonetheless, because in that Hall of Fame, during that inductee for the Hall of Fame, um, when they had a chance to interview John, he was he was talking about how he wanted to go in a quarter two. He's trying to get up to 275 before he starts cutting weight for, to fight in heavyweight. And when they, I believe they asked him questions about like some of the things like drinking and everything like that. And he, and he made it sound as though like, yeah, that's my past life. Pretty much it sounded like someone that was like, yo, I'm staying on the straight and narrow and I'm an adult. I've grown out of these situations. If these events seem do end up being true, it's going to be a little disheartening to see someone say something like that. And then less than 24 hours later, they find themselves getting arrested for a domestic violence charge. Um, but hopefully, I, I really I hope it's not hopefully this is all a misunderstanding. But even then, like if he if the evidence comes out that he's done something again, it's it's a black eye. And I think. Uh, to be honest with you, if this comes out that it's something that he did and, sub- and ends up putting a black eye on him, I think this may end up messing up his uh, his quest to be in heavyweight because at the, at the end of the day, it's too much of a liability. Because imagine you you doing this and you're trying to set this fight up with him and Francis, and then something like this pops up. If John Jones is in trouble the way that the reports make it seem to be, I think this is the last time we really see John Jones fight. It, like, you know what I mean? I think the legacy that... I mean, let's just be real. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if it is as bad as what it's being made out to be, like, why would you just keep on putting the title? Because, excuse me. I mean, if we're being honest, John Jones isn't coming back and just fighting just to fight. He's going to fight either a top contender at heavyweight or he's going to fight for the title, which he should fight for the title because he's John Jones. So, like, at the end of the day, I just don't see how you can do that with somebody who is getting in trouble like that. And I, I would hope that it's not that, but only time will tell. Yeah, definitely. So only time will tell. It it doesn't look good, especially especially if they if he wants to try to continue something. It, it's, uh, I, 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 it really hurts me if this is the last time we see John. Um, and even if we don't, um, I wouldn't be surprised if this, this is probably the end of an era for him. Um, he's having so... At, at some point, this has to get old. And right. I'm quite sure the stress of it is probably going... I wouldn't be surprised at the stress of this, even after having like a, a clean record for the past couple of years, and this still follows you. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up impacting his uh, him going into his next fight, or if he does have a next fight based off the type of charges that's going on. Or if he does fight again, I don't think he should be fighting for a title right away. If anything, I, I wouldn't be surprised if... Um, 
I don't know. It it wouldn't be surprising if Dana says, "Hey, listen, John's having all this stuff happen. How about we give him Cyril Gone? If Cyril Gone beats him, it kind of it's we get John out the picture completely, and this also helps boost up this other kid. But it just wouldn't be a big fight. And even I think John has said that, but he's with this case, he's not in a position really to dictate what gets offered to him at this point. Unfortunately, right? Exactly. Like he. I think John Jones, the leverage that he did have, he kind of lost a little bit just because, like, you know, the stuff that keeps on going on around him. I think he really, I don't know what happened in the situation, but the fact that his name is involved in situations like this so much, he Sensible. just has to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, oh, my bad. Yeah. He does. He has to be careful, but it's just, it, it's, he has to be careful, but, at the end of the day, you're going to do what you want to do. And I think I'm just hoping that the, this, this, well, I'll put it like this. I think the John Jones story, how we were talking about the Kanye documentary. I think the John Jones documentary. It's going to be amazing. It blockbuster. It's going to be this, great. It, honestly, I think the same way they had the, how they had like that OJ trial was a series. I think John Jones should be a series as well. When his life story is said, it should be a life story, life story because it's, unfor- it's crazy to see someone at this high of a level have these type of difficulties. Now, granted, it it comes with this territory, but it's just, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, and I'm just curious to see what happens when it comes to John. Well, speaking of screwing up things at heavyweight, we had uh, one of the biggest fights at heavyweight that we could have possibly seen in maybe the past decade fall apart into pieces. If you didn't know, Anthony Joshua lost to Alexander Usyk and he is now the unified champ which is wild oh he's he's not the unified champ he's um he's not the unified champ only because the 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 last belt that's sitting out there is between Tyson Fury oh Um, yeah I forgot I'm upset Fury and Wilder um to be honest with you this wasn't uh this was a surprise I've been a fan of uh Usyk for a while. I've watched him as he went before he went up to a heavyweight. He was giving people problems. They had said he would be a problem down the line years ago. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if he would end up beating Joshua, but I think this. I think this may actually be a good thing for boxing. And I say that because when you look at Anthony Joshua, a lot of times Anthony Joshua isn't fighting the best competition. He's fighting the competition that gets him heavily paid. And the competition that gets him heavily paid is typically him fighting in the UK over there. And they just pay, like Lau will always say, like the, the jobbers. He's paying jobbers to get the job done, right? This time, he fought actual real competition. Usyk is one of the best. He was one of the best at his division before he moved up. He fought some stiff competition. He lost. And I think this means it's better for the for the boxing community now because now that Anthony Joshua is out the way, what we have left now, I believe, is uh, I believe is Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, which should be coming up soon. After that fight, we'll be able to hope. To me, I think Tyson Fury will win that fight as well. Uh, I didn't have a chance to watch this fight just to let the listeners know Anthony Joshua fight, but we did catch the highlights. Um, I think what this means for boxing is we'll have Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua's out. Tyson Fury fights next. 
Fury ends up, let's say Fury ends up beating Wilder, right? Okay. Now we have Usyk versus Fury for the unify to unify the heavyweight championship. Meanwhile, Anthony Joshua, who was running from Deontay Wilder for years, when Deontay Wilder didn't have a championship, wasn't anything but an up-and-coming fighter, he was begging Joshua, let's fight. Whatever you want, how much money you want, I just want to step in the ring. I don't, you don't have to pay me. I I won't even take, he said, I won't take money. I just want to fight you. Joshua ran from it after the Fury rematch. He was begging to fight Wilder. Wilder said, listen, I'm on the better things at this point. And now he's in a situation where if Tyson Fury was to lose, was to win, and Wilder loses, we can end up having Joshua and Wilder fighting just for uh, uh, as a title eliminator, which I think for boxing, boxing-wise, that mean, that that makes it even more entertaining because now we're, you're getting a big fight between two guys who are not champions, or even if it ends up being Joshua versus Fury, one of the Joshua's going to have to fight for a title eliminator like, at some point. And when he does, if it, depending on if there's a rematch clause against Usyk, he may end up fighting for he might end up fighting for a end up fighting for a title eliminator against top tier boxers, which I think does better for the sport in this case. So. I don't know. To me, I, I I think this was I think this was good for boxing. I think it was bad for Joshua. I think it exposed Joshua to some extent. From I wasn't able to I didn't watch the fight in total, but I do know Lau was giving this play by play via text. Uh, and even he was saying he was getting dominated the whole fight. And psh, listen, man, you you go through that one time losing that to um to the one I, I i his name slipping me at the moment uh but when he lost the heavyweight championship before oh okay you mean um the spanish man yeah um i forget his name uh mexican guy i forget his name but Can't uh, his name either but nonetheless right Co- listeners comment leave it leave his name in the comments but nonetheless like after losing that fight you would think you would take your fights more serious and if he was taking the fight more serious he just lost to a better opponent which I think this was real stiff competition, not a jobber. So uh, I think this is great for boxing personally. Hey, I mean, you know, this is what happens when you don't try to, you know, take the best fights available when you have them. So I don't feel bad for Anthony Joshua. You know, I'm glad that he lost, if I'm being honest, just because of the sake of the sport. For me being like a very casual watcher, I want to watch the best people fight the best people. Now, mind you, this situation with – uh. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury seems to have nothing to do with Anthony Joshua in particular. But if you had the chance to fight Deontay Wilder before and you didn't take it, that's on you. So, I mean, it is what it is. So that being said, I don't feel bad for him. I'm glad I I'm glad that the belt is moving forward. I don't necessarily care if he lost or not. I just like seeing the division move forward. Nah, absolutely. And that's my thing. Like, I think seeing the division move forward, it, it makes it better for the sport. As well as, like, having Usyk as a champion, it puts another name in that in that hat of, like, other fighters that can actually help potentially grow the sport. So, I don't know. I think this is great. Um, and like you said, when you have the time, when you, miss your, when you miss your moment, you miss your moment. You don't get a chance to pick when that moment is. Either it, com- it comes and it goes and... It looks like for, in Anthony Joshua's case, this is the second time he's lost the heavyweight championship, but this time against a, a worthy, a more worthy opponent, um, and just in terms of totality. So, yeah, I mean, you you strike when the iron's hot, and when you stop, 
hey, man, you take that loss. You got to bite that bullet. But all I know is October 9th, I'll be looking forward to Tyson Fury versus uh, Deontay Wilder because, and I'm quite sure Anthony Joshua will, because it, it's nothing, it's nothing to be said at this point. I, at this point, I'm quite sure he'll be sitting there waiting, which I wish I could, I wish I could give the listeners a, a more background of the Joshua Wilder thing, but um, I don't know. I think this is just good for the sport. Um, I'm happy. This has happened, man. So happy. Do you have anything else for us? Ah. Do you have anything else for the listeners? Currently, listeners, I am uh, watching the Steelers game. We're down seven points, but we're in the second quarter. But the offense is looking like trash. Let me tell you, man, we are not doing well. Let's just say that. Jeez, man. Jeez. Pittsburgh, man. Pittsburgh. Hey, y'all aren't doing well either. Y'all zero too. Hey, man, it'd be like that sometimes. Not for us. Hey, listen. Hey, man, you got the hey. You put a wager up. I didn't. So <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you said Pittsburgh. See, this man. is what happens. I respond, and then it's like, hey, oh, hey, hey. You know, hey. no, nah, you called us hey. Pittsburgh. I responded. Hey, listen, man, Pittsburgh. Listen, man. It, I'd rather be one and one as Pittsburgh than zero and two as the Vikings. Just saying. Hey. Even listen, wearing man. color, you, you're purple color today, and y'all still losing. What's up? Yeah, you're you're funny. I'm just <laughs> you're, saying. You're funny. You're funny. Now, At least but, I'm wearing the colors of a team that won once. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. You got a terrible towel in the background, huh? Yeah, shouts out to it. You know, you, you know, you know what's nice about that thing? It's one once. Hey, that's fine. It's it also makes for a good blanket when you're watching the Super Bowl from the TV. Hey. So psh, hey, we might be sitting on the couch together. So you call it what you want, man. We can sit on the couch together as long as the Steelers make it to the playoffs. I can't promise anything else than that. But that being said, though, I my faith in the Steelers has uh, waned. Let's just say that. We can get it, further into that in a later episode. I'm sure that uh, the record will show for it. Yeah, I, I'm, it's good that it's diminishing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, in terms of any other words that I have, um, I, all the thing I would say is make sure you check out uh, – I believe Lil Bootsy. He had oh, we shit. Because we had, you know how we were talking about Kanye in the documentary. Lil Bootsy had put out uh, his own documentary. Uh, it was his own film where he's the star of the film. We need it's, to review for the listeners. Yeah, it's called My Struggle. I believe you actually have to buy it for like $20 off of the Lil Bootsy website. But shout outs to Lil Bootsy for that. I will be watching it as, um, as it, He's he's had he's had uh he had he's had his moments when during his uh during his rise as a rapper. So and of course anybody that knows the stuff around him knows the stuff around Lil Bootsy as to why he, his career has stopped at one point. But I don't know, it should be interesting. Um we watch all these other things of these other artists. It's good to see uh artists actually taking the control, similar to like if you're not as big as Kanye and you can't go to Netflix. Lil Boosie did this all independently. So that means it it just shows you that, hey, you don't need, you don't have to wait. No one's going to come save you. You can come, you can go do something yourself that you want to do. And Lil Boosie's the epitome of it. So shout outs to Lil Boosie on that. Um, other than that, I would say wear your mask, drink your water, stay safe. And smile every day you can, man. All right, listeners, you've been highly advised. We'll be back. Thank you for listening. Um, you have been highly advised. 
You've been highly advised. Shashaw.